This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Margo, Kiel, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. I'm so glad that you could be with me today and to share your inspiring uh, story. Um, and uh, you, uh, as a senior in high school, um, you know, got sick suddenly. Um, and can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So like you said, I was a senior in high school, April 2010. can't believe it's already been, um, you know, 10 and a half years ago. But um, April 2010, I woke up one morning with a severe pain in my back. And, um, you know, over the course of the next 15 minutes, slowly lost sensation and then movement um, from my fingers, arms, chest, Um, down my entire body. It was a completely disorienting, confusing, scary, um, you know, moment. And it led to, um, you know, a journey um, that continues to this day um, to figure out, you know, first, of course, what that medically, but then what that also would mean, you know, for the course of my life. So um, through a lot of um, trial and error, um, ultimately was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, which is a autoimmune neurological disease that affects the spinal cord. Um, What had happened was the antibodies had attacked my spinal cord, thinking that there may have been like a a virus of some sort. Um, And similar to how the body responds with a virus, um, the antibodies um, cause swelling. But given the swelling was on my spinal cord, it then caused demyelization of the spinal nerves. And that ultimately led to paralysis. So I was in the hospital um, for several months. Um, as, you know, I was navigating the consequences of that illness, but also the, you know, the secondary effects of what it had caused throughout my body. And then um, spent the next several months in rehab centers doing intensive physical therapy and occupational therapy and um, speech therapy to kind of just get back into some sort of fighting shape. Mm -hmm. Um, and spent the next, you know, two years outside of the rehab center, but um, in daily physical therapy and trying to navigate this new normal. Yeah, yeah. And so what would you say um, was the underlying um, thing that really drove you to, um, you know, you eventually ended up going to college. You had gotten into college, I think you, I read, 10 days before um, this all happened and you were going to go to Georgetown and then obviously that got delayed and you had to like fight your way back to a physical place where you could actually do that. Um, and to achieve that and to go away from home after being with your family. Um, and, you know, and now, you know, you live alone and, and 
in Washington, D.C., you know, near where you went to school and you know, have a great job. And so what was it that that really drove you and motivated you during those early months? And Yeah. Um, so I think unsurprisingly, probably I was holding on to this like hope and this narrative of returning to normal. And, um, you know, as a side note to that comment, I will just say, like, since being sick and since, um, you know, identifying as disabled, um, I've learned a lot about, like, ableist language and, and um, you know, what does it really mean to be normal and what do we, um, you know, prioritize as... Um, you know, being important to us in, in how we identify as being normal. But all of that aside, um, you know, in the early months and years of my recovery, I was so committed to um, getting better and having like this full recovery. But I think the promise of that really like kept me going um, and, and wanting to, you know, that quote-unquote full recovery yeah yeah and how did how did faith play into that for you during that time yeah that's a great question so I think that a silver lining or a blessing in all of this was I had the opportunity to revisit what faith meant to me and how that would play a role in my life um I often, in reflection of like that time and, and what I had learned, I think about this religious journey and this faith journey that um, kind of like mirrored this journey that I was taking through my um, physical rehab. And um, I think it was just like an incredible thing to experience, um, you know, alongside what was a really challenging, dark, scary time of my life. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the remarkable part is that, you know, you had this inner strength that that drove you, you know, to a place beyond that. Um, and, and, and I'm wondering, like, you know, do you remember that moment when you went from like that hopefulness that you would recover fully and back to normal? You know, we're, we're kind of in the middle of pandemic. And I think a lot of people can relate to that wanting to go back to normal. And sometimes, and I believe is that, you know, we're, we're being challenged to grow in new ways, you know, and perhaps, you know, we all are in different instances in our lives. And, um, the new normal, what, what was that moment where you embraced the fact that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was like a singular moment, more so than it was just this like evolution over time of becoming more comfortable and more confident with where I was and simultaneously feeling like, you know, I was going to be okay, regardless of what that like ultimate outcome would be and what that, um, you know, like what those milestones were going to look like, that I as an individual was going to be okay because 
I was equipped with the tools, both like physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, to overcome the challenges that I would inevitably face um, throughout my life. And I think that that's something that is true for a lot of people, regardless of like what it is that they're going through. Um, That at some point, there's like this slow acceptance and slow understanding and slow um, process of coming into your own and coming into yourself where you just like gain a little bit of um, knowing that like, you know, through whatever it is that you call um, faith or whatever that looks like in your life, because I think it takes a lot of different shapes for, for different people. Um, that through that, everything would be okay. Yeah, I love that. Um, tell me how your family has played into um, and has had a positive impact on all of those things that you mentioned, you know, because I think um, when we have the support of a loving family um, and great teachers and mentors in our life, um, they often equip us with the tools that we need when we when we go through things. And yeah, absolutely. So I um, am blessed with an absolute like rock star of a family. I am one of four children. I have an older sister, a little sister, and a little brother. Um, two parents throughout my entire life um, have felt like they are like the cornerstone of my being. They are the people who like really ground me in my um experiences are the people I return to in moments of like chaos. They're the people who I look to for fun, for inspiration, for, um, you know, in moments of good and bad and everything in between. They really are the people who um, I just love the absolute most. So it was um, not terribly like shocking or surprising that they remained and still to this day remain um, the people who really were like my champions throughout, you know, the moments of time where I really was like sickest Mm -hmm. and continue to be like my um, supporters that I look to um, for, you know, all sorts of help and and, um, even still today. So I I think it's um, a fun conversation to have around faith and my family because my parents are, um, you know, both Christian. My father's a Catholic. My mom is Greek Orthodox. And I was raised in the Greek Orthodox Church, but always felt very comfortable within the Catholic faith. Um, my parents raised us with, you know, religion and faith being very integral to certain conversations that we were having and certain values they instilled in us at a young age. Um, But it was never something where the institution of religion was something that was like forced on us growing up or something that was required of us to like buy into or um, to be a part of. And that freedom to like choose it and find it on our own terms, I think was particularly profound for when I did get sick because Mm -hmm. um, faith became 
really integral to my like recovery process and the process through which I found that faith very much felt like it was on my own terms. Um, but it was done simultaneously, I think, through a really um, just profound relationship that I found with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, my father is someone that I think has been guided by um, spiritual spirituality and his connection to his faith and religion throughout his entire life. And I had like my eyes opened to that in really meaningful ways when I got sick and when he was able to kind of come to me and say, um, this isn't something that I would ever force upon you, but if you want to experience this together, I am here to help you through this um, with like, you know, faith as a foundation for how we can kind of navigate this together. And what a beautiful invitation from, from, a, from your loving father. It's really incredible that, you know, the one thing that stands out for me and I think is so important. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I talked to another young woman recently and, and her parents sort of had raised her similarly in that they offered the religion or their faith that they knew, but there was a freedom to choose and whatever you know, resonated with you. And I think that that's such a gift to give a child because we're all formed differently and we all relate to God in different ways. I think, you know, the more I do spiritual work, we all connect to God in our own unique ways. Um, You know, many people in nature or some people, you know, in through Catholicism and, you know, some people through, you know, all different means um, and different ways that, you know, and not necessarily organized religion, but I love the, that the freedom that you were offered to, to decide for yourself. Yeah. And then, um, and one of the reasons I asked you about your family is um, it's so important for people to have a good support system. And if you don't have a big family, like you have, um, you know, you were fortunate to have that, you know, you can have friends, neighbors, you can build your own community of, of loving people around you. But um, it's such an important part because I think as human beings that we grow best, you know, both in community and then also in solitude. And you've really talked about both of those things now, like how you found inner strength, you know, through faith or, um, you know, in, in those dark moments that got you through that, you look, you know, it sounds like you had these like, stepping stones towards, towards healing. And, you know, and once you started to get momentum, you know, the, you, the, the fight in you came out, um, you know, not that you never had it, but it sounds like, you know, it was, you know, it was pretty terrifying at first. And, but then having your family around you to support you and offering you, um, you know, ways to, to connect with God or, you know, um, you know, that's, that's so important to, to anybody's healing, no matter what you're faced with. Definitely. And one thing you said is, um, I think being true in my experience is that the connection that I had with my family and the relationships that we have are certainly like, because we're blood related, but 
those connections and I think the way in which we, especially into our adult lives, stay connected and stay so fundamentally like, you know, just intertwined with each other because we have this basis of friendships. Mm -hmm. I think we like fully really want the best for each other and look to draw that out from each other based upon like what we see as good and inspiring and um, unique within each of us. And I think to your point, like finding those relationships out in the world, regardless of like blood relation um, is important and it's vital for, um, for all of us, you know, and I think it's just, it's important for all of us to find. Um, what I'm hearing you say is that at the, at the base of that is love, you know, and I believe, I mean, not to get too, too um, God-ish or God-like, but that's how God sees us. Like we're all the beloved children. We all are, no matter what your faith beliefs. Um, we're all, you know, we're created out of love and to see that love for one another, um, you know, in, in your families, it's like, that's how we're all supposed to be living and being with one another. You know, wouldn't the world be a much better place if, you know, I didn't get mad because I don't have a sister, but say I had a sister and, you know, she didn't call me back or didn't show up for Thanksgiving or, you know, and, and then these wedges get formed. And then there's this, you know, as soon as that happens, we, we start pulling apart from one another um, and separating. And what I'm hearing is that instead you're choosing to celebrate one another and to cheer each other on. Um, and that's what they did for you, but it sounds like you continue to do that for them too. So. Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right that at the foundation of it all, it is just like that love for each other. Um, and people can find that in a lot of different places and with a lot of different people. Um, but I was lucky enough to have that from the start with my family and, you know, continue with that today. I love that. Um, so um, I wanted to ask you um, about, about getting to college. So what was that ex experience like? So, I mean, pretty brave for you to leave this beautiful family who had been supporting you and helping you in the healing process. Um, but then to bravely, you know, go to school, what, two, two years after? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. About that. Honestly, like I look back at the Margot then and just like kind of shake my hat head and think like, what were you thinking? Like, I just, I really dove into that experience without any sense of like what was coming. Um, I think I fully knew that it was going to be really difficult and I fully knew that it would look a lot different than what I had originally like intended my college experience to look like. And I knew that there would be moments of like significant challenges, but I don't think I had any sense of just how um, completely overwhelming at times very lonely and very isolating and just how um, ultimately like transformative that would be, but how like painful it would be in the process of growing through it. 
Um, I'm lucky to say that, you know, now being on the other side, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I learned so much about myself through those um, years. What did you learn about yourself? I mean, I think I had just from the experience of being sick and, and going through all of that, had a renewed understanding of my like tenacity and grit and like unwavering um, competitive spirit that would like serve me well in moments of challenge, challenging times. Um, but I also think that it was in college where, you know, you alluded to um, the growth in solitude and like the need to find what that means to like stand on your own and, and finding that inner confidence and that inner faith. Um, I think that it was in college where that really happened for me. Um, like I mentioned, I think that there were just moments of overwhelming loneliness mm. where I only really had myself to say, like, how am I going to get through this? And how am I going to um, make this okay? And when you say you were lonely, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, do you mean like you, you know, could you not live in like the typical dorm type setting? And was it harder to meet people? And yes, uh, yes. So I, um, you know, didn't have a roommate and that was by choice, but I didn't have a roommate and I lived within the dorms. So there were people around, but I think the loneliness that I experienced was feeling like, even though I was like physically close to people, um, where were the relationships that were going to like sustain me? And I had just come off of two years of seeing my parents nearly constantly, like 24 hours a day for two years, constantly having people within my life that I could turn to, um, whether it was that I like physically needed them or just like emotionally needed someone to like talk something out with or even just like needing someone in my space who like, maybe we didn't need to talk through anything, but just knowing that someone was, was there felt um, like a comfort for me. And I think when I got to college, I felt like I'm surrounded by all of these people, but I'm not surrounded by anyone who really knows me. I'm not surrounded by anyone that I felt um, you know, that I had like that deep understanding. And maybe it goes back to what you were saying before with like the love, um, who could really like appreciate what it was that I was going through and I simultaneously could do that for somebody else. Um, and I don't think that that's terribly like unique or rare to freshmen or, or you know, anyone in college. I think that's an experience where people are, away from their support networks and communities that they've lived with throughout their entire lives and they're kind of um, forced to find it elsewhere. Um, 
And I think it just took me a little bit of time. And in doing, and like in that time, I formed an, in a new relationship almost with myself. Like I needed to figure out what it all meant for me personally. And so really a lot of introspective alone time that you were, you know, for, for, so you make this brave move to move away from, you know, from all of your people and your support system to get, get an education and you find yourself there and it, it's a little lonely and it takes time. But did you, you eventually found your people? I did. I can say <laughs> I did ultimately make friends, um, which is end of friendships that last to this day, like really meaningful, deep connections and friendships. But um, I also say, you know, I think that it was the continuation of my journey at school that led me to like a deeper understanding of my own faith. And I think that that was like only through that introspective um, kind of like reflection that I was able to continue what that meant um, for myself. Yeah. Um, so uh, what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, you met your people there and, you know, you have connections with, with friends. And so you've created that community that we were just talking about yeah. for yourself. Um, and so you ended up staying in the DC area after you graduated. Tell I me did. I did. I came to love this city. Um, and when I was nearing, you know, senior year, I had just decided that I wasn't through with my like adventures here and I felt really comfortable in this city um, and just knew that this was where I wanted to stay. So I, I called my parents one day and I said, by the way, I'm applying for jobs in DC. I hope you're okay with that. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I kind of laugh at it thinking back on it now because I didn't really like ask for permission. It was more like a, by the way, I'll be in DC after I graduate. Like I'm not coming home. Um, but luckily they were totally supportive and they too have come to love this city. And I think ultimately were really excited for me to stay. Um, so yeah, I've been here It's a little over four years now that I have stayed in DC and um, have come to just really love it and, and call it home. You know, I was going to ask you, um, I saw that your, uh, what your major was when, when you were in school, just when I, you know, I pulled your name up. Did your major ever change? Did you stay the course? Like, did you have a different idea of what you were going to do before, um, you know, before you got sick versus after? I did. So I applied to Georgetown as I'm a pre-med student. So I got into their, um, it's called, um, gosh, I'm going to forget the name of the major, but it's basically, you know, their pre-med major and intended to go pre-med when I started. I had a conversation with a few like academic advisors um, before my freshman year and they said, 
we want you to succeed here. We really want you to do well and we want you to pursue every goal and dream of yours. But we also know that this is going to be um, an adjustment. You've been out of school for two years. You're you know, relearning what it means to navigate the world with a physical disability. Um, and pre-med is tough. Um, so they made the recommendation that I start at Georgetown in this healthcare management and policy major. Um, they said, you know, you'll get the exposure to healthcare that I think you're looking for, but we can modify the curriculum just a little bit um, so that, you know, you are not completely overwhelmed by the academics when you first begin. So I reluctantly kind of agreed, and I was holding and gripping really tightly to these pre-med dreams that I um, still wanted to pursue. But I said, okay, I'll give it, I'll give it a, a shot. Um, so went through with the healthcare management and policy curriculum my freshman year, and ultimately just absolutely loved it. It exposed me to healthcare in both government and the private sector. Um, at the time, there was, of course, a ton of conversation happening around the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. um, I think my experience as a patient of the healthcare system gave me a really interesting perspective that I otherwise um, may not have fully appreciated. Um, and I ultimately decided that I could still do everything I wanted to do in the healthcare space um, that I ultimately was like looking to do on the pre-med track um, within this within this major. So I stayed, you know, graduated a healthcare management policy major with a concentration in policy analysis, thought that I would, um, you know, maybe go to law school or do something with healthcare policy, but um, you know, by happenstance, ended up in the career that I am in now, which is um, consulting for the healthcare um, federal agencies. Um, and so, you know, my life looks a lot different than I thought it would when I was a naive freshman, um, thinking that I would. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I think you're absolutely right that, and I think what you're kind of. Um, you know, alluding to is this connection between what I ultimately studied and the experiences that I had. And I feel really grateful and really lucky that I do have the perspective that I do um, because healthcare is complex <laughs> and I know it firsthand. Um, and so I'm trying to, you know, navigate through it on the other side, make it a little, a little easier, a little better for everyone. So um, how do you give back? So um, it's a timely question, actually. Um, over the last six months, I've been thinking about this a lot and thinking about how my identity as being somebody who's disabled um, has shaped me over the last few years. Um, I think it's an identity that I have been slow to claim as my own. And I've been, um, you know, at times even maybe reluctant or resistant to, um, to claiming, but 
in the last six months, like I said, I um, have just thought so much about how transformative it has been for me to claim space within the disabled community and claim space and real ownership over um, what it means to me to be um, a person who identifies as being disabled. So I actually recently, through my company, just launched a mentorship program with my undergrad um, that I'm really proud of. We partnered with the Georgetown Disability Alliance, a group of students on campus who advocate and create community um, for disabled, you know, people who identify as being disabled. And we partnered with them um, to have students on campus find professional mentors who can help them as they navigate what life will look like outside of um, campus and you know after they graduate i think it's a transition that is far scarier than i think a lot of people assume it would be and it's a transition that i think comes with a ton of apprehension for students you know how do i succeed in a world that frankly really isn't built for me and how do i find professional success in environments that may not traditionally um, be easy for me to navigate both like physically but also emotionally and mentally um, and so we just launched this inaugural program with the students um, and i'm just really really excited about it well that's so great you know i read when i was doing research about you um, that at your company that you were working so much like long hours that you were kind of skipping out on some of your physical therapy that is critical to your well-being and that you spoke up um and you know the company realized that that would you know that you needed to set that block of time out for yourself yeah. um, those are the types of things that you're talking about that are really important for people to have in place they yeah it's about up and, and say oh wait the world's not built for me in this way and 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 I need this for yeah it's about finding your voice and advocating for what it is that you need and those needs are going to look very different for each individual because um, of the unique nature of what you know we're talking about but yes I came to the firm um, and I think I didn't even really know what it was that I needed to ask for, um, but over time was encouraged by um, some mentors of mine and champions of, of mine to not um, be shy of the voice that I had and not feel like I needed to dampen it or lessen it for anyone's benefit. Um, and so, you know, over time had, had found that voice and, and raised my hand and said, you know, I really need this. And it's not something that I would have ever thought that like a super traditional um, workplace would be able to accommodate. And they said, I can't believe you didn't ask us this like two years ago. Um, and it was such an eye-opening moment where I thought, you know, people need to really understand the value of their voice and people need to really appreciate what it is that they have to offer and say, and and how do you bring your best self to work every day? Um, certainly, we don't do that by leaving pieces of us 
behind in our apartments or behind in our homes. Um, we bring our best selves to work by being like fully authentic in what it is that we can offer. Um, but in doing so, need to like be able to articulate what it is that we need. Yeah, I, I, I agree more. I think it's so inspiring. Um, I would just say that, you know, looking back at your story over the last 10 years, that you have an inner strength and we all do, but you listened to it. And even though things seemed insurmountable or unachievable, you've achieved so much. I mean, I hope you see that in listening to your own story of, you know, suddenly getting sick and then having a disability, um, you know, being in a wheelchair and, you know, two years later, going back to school, um, leaving, you know, this loving environment of your parents, and then the brave, you know, the brave Margot staying in DC, which is not around the corner from where your, where your family lives, and, you know, and, and having, you know, this career, and, and now making a difference, which I think, you know, your story makes a difference, because it inspires um, everybody to know that we all have that that deep inner strength. Um, so I asked you, I always ask people what their favorite quote or words that they're living by right now, you know, because that changes for everyone. I might have a favorite quote, you know, next year I'll be in a completely different space. Hopefully we'll be out of the quarantine, but you said that, um, and this is by Morgan Harper Nichols. And you said, this is your life. This is your journey, but this is not a lonely path. It is filled with light and grace and the kind of hope that lasts. Yes. Um, so relevant to the conversation we had today, both about like, you know, balancing and finding strength both within yourself, but also within community and knowing that you don't walk this path alone, whether that's um, because of, you know, a friend, a family member, someone in your community, but also remembering for myself at least, that I don't walk this this path alone because I have um, my God that's walking it with me. And you've never been alone and, and, you know, never will be. And in the midst of all of that, you know, you've refound that connection with God, it sounds like. Um, but it's there for all of us all the time. Um, but we, we forget. And then so there are some ways that we can remember and you reminding all, you know, anybody who's listening to this, the ways that yeah. we can do that. So thank you um, for sharing. What a blessing, you know, to sit here and talk to you. And if, you know, people can't see you, but you have this bright, sunny face. And, <laughs> and well, thank you for having me on. And it's always a, just such a pleasure to be able to sit down and, and reflect a little bit and talk through all of this. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.